Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with our host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary is provided by Kate Hassett and Jackson Delisle. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team. All right, welcome to another episode of the Influence Factory. We have a great show for you today with uh, Laura Steeves. <coughs> we'll bring her on here in a few minutes, and uh, let's go ahead and get started. So we're happy to say that our new upcoming uh, class, the uh, uh, Business Influencer Masterclass here in Chicago, is going to be released today. And many of you out there are on the waiting list. So when you see that waiting list email come across, make sure you jump on that because after that, it's going out to about 200,000 people and there's only 50 seats. And you know what's interesting about this, Kate? It's the first time, we're like excited, first time when you sign up, we're actually including your LinkedIn summary and your headline and a, and a, and your picture. And we're going to take yeah. a photo of you when you get here. And so you're going to get an interview ahead of time. We're going to write your summary and your bio. And you're going to have a big head start before you even walk into the influencer class. So first time we're doing this and we're excited. Yeah, I love, right. I love this idea. It's going to be great. Yep. And uh, so if people want to join us on social, how do they do that? Well, of course, if you're a member of our Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, we will be interacting with you live. You can also check it out in there. Shout out to everybody who's watching it in the Facebook group. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, and we'll be live tweeting this using the hashtag Influence Factory. Right on, right on, right on. And so uh, with that being said, um, I would like to... Uh, introduce the Influencer News Update with Kate and Jackson. What do we have today, folks? Uh, yeah, so today we have, uh, you know, Twitter provides new stats and advice on video marketing. I ran a poll this week to see what kind of articles people wanted to hear about and uh, video marketing uh, won by a landslide. So, uh, you know, as we know, the video has become the number one best performing content type on all social media platforms. Uh, you know, Dean, uh, you know, does a lot of video. Kate does a lot of video on LinkedIn and, you know, a couple others. And over the last 12 months, uh, you know, video views on Twitter have doubled to you know, roughly 1.2 billion video views on Twitter per day. So, so yeah, using, using video on Twitter is going to, be, you know, we talk a lot about using video on Facebook because they have, you know, a nice fancy live, right, a nice fancy live function. And then um, on Instagram and on uh, LinkedIn, because LinkedIn's is, you know, brand new, they just came out with it the past couple months. So, you know, moving to Twitter is like something that we don't talk about often. I thought this would be a great article for today because, you know, I feel like we're not utilizing that network with the video content as much right. as, you know, we could be as a, you know, as a whole. And, you know, uh, video is the fastest growing option for advertising on Twitter. So, you know, Twitter ads, promoted tweets, 
um, video website cards and uh, in-stream video ads are the three, you know, best ways to promote videos on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> you know, promoted tweets with videos save more than 50% on cost per engagement. So, you know, that's a huge thing when you're, you know, paying per engagement on, uh, on the media that you're posting on Twitter. So if it's saving money because you're getting more in the door from this video, uh, it, it, it uh, a tweet with a video, uh, tends to see 10 times more, uh, engagement than, you know, just words or graphics or, you know, other content types. Uh, you know, is there anything you want to add on that, Kate? Yeah, I just, I love how we've really seen video roll out and we've seen all the different platforms adapt. So video has always been big on Facebook. We're seeing it being used in a lot of ads. And then we see Instagram really adapt and then LinkedIn really adapt. And now Twitter is kind of making it their own. So there's a couple ways that you can really use Twitter video. Um, I do want to emphasize that Twitter is where the thought leaders hang out. So if you want to write a book, if you want to get speaking gigs, this is a great place to engage. And if you've already been kind of dabbling in LinkedIn videos, like I know Rick Gosser, who's on, he's kind of started. This is a next, this is a next great move of places to publish your videos. So there's a couple ways to do it. Obviously, the promoted video allows you to promote a video like you would pay to get people to view it. Um, a great way to get more followers, get people engaged with your content. There's also a really cool feature called video website cards. So after someone watches your video, you can actually give them a call to action and drive mobile readers to the website. And I specify mobile readers because 93% of people on Twitter are scrolling on their phone on Twitter. It's not, it's not very active on desktop. So keeping that in mind, you want to make the videos very mobile friendly. Use an outside source to add those subtitles like handbrake is what I use. It's stupid easy. It's like the easiest thing you can do. Um, but you want to make sure everything is mobile friendly. They can scroll really fast, check it out on their phone and move on because the attention span on Twitter, on Twitter is very, very low. Um, there's also in-stream video ads. Those are advertisements played at the beginning of a video from content partners and it runs pre-roll video in a line with the brand. Those are really nice because they're normally on autoplay. So people get the promoted posts from you, the video from you before they see anything else, before they even really think to pause it. So that's kind of how Twitter has gotten ahead of these ads. And then, um, like I said, always keeping it mobile friendly because everybody is on their phone on Twitter. Is, is there any thought about, um, you know, because I know we're back to now shooting video, sort of, I call it just, you know, landscape mode or whatever, instead of portrait mode. Uh, is there any uh, is there any thought now when they say mobile friendly? Are we going back to portrait with when they say mobile friendly, or does it matter with which direction? Yeah, on tw on Twitter, I I've seen yeah, and I, honestly, for the uh, you, the space, the size that you're given, uh, for it to be optimized, I would say uh, you know keep it landscape for you know on Twitter, but when you're on uh, sites like Instagram or, uh, yeah, really just Instagram. You want to keep it, you know, portrait mode because you're going to probably end up chopping it into like a, uh, you know, a yeah. square. So that way it fits directly in the, um, uh, space provided on Instagram, but Instagram is really the only one, uh, Snapchat. But, you know, when we're talking about, 
you know, ones that are driving engagement and uh, return, that would be, uh, I would say, landscape across the board. Uh, even with Instagram, if you shoot in landscape, not through their app, don't do that. Um, it'll, uh, yeah, it just, they don't, it's kind of like Facebook. If you're going live from your mobile device, you're going to want to do it in portrait uh, because, you know, they don't, it doesn't turn with it. So now people are watching your video like this, but, um, but yeah, if you're going to, you know, chop a video down and crop it correctly, I would say uh, landscape for across the board, all social media. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because something I've been noticing a lot, I know we teach that the landscape mode is the best way to do even on LinkedIn, but I think things are also changing. So we might have to keep you guys updated because now as more users are even using the LinkedIn app on their phones, I know when I look at videos on my desktop on LinkedIn, they look really, really bad when they're in portrait mode. But then when I'm on my phone, they really actually, you know, convert quite nicely. So I think that's something we'll have on as we can see more trends of how many people are using LinkedIn mobile versus desktop. Um, but for right. Twitter, you're, you're spot on. We know that they are mostly mobile. And then Julie asked the name of the app where you can get subtitles. We'll put it in the show notes and post it on Facebook, but it's called Handbrake, H-A-N-D-B-R-A-K-E. And that is a very easy way that I've used to do subtitles. And there's also um, videos on it on YouTube to get you started. Yeah, and do you know uh, which do you know which version of transportation originated the handbrake, Kate? The bus, train, stagecoach. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what a what a dad trivia question! I know, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, um, one other app, just so you guys know, and we'll also put this in the show notes. Is uh, you know, Headliner. I use Headliner oh, too. Yeah. Uh, transcribe, uh, you know, all the videos that I do. And uh, the best part about it is it will optimize it for social media. So if you're posting on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, it, it'll give you a nice, you know, 16 by nine ratio that you can put that into. And then, uh, you know, if you're on, um, a, if you want to post it to Instagram, it'll allow you to put it into the, you know, uh, one by one uh ratio size so uh uh, real cool stuff and we'll put this all in the show notes along with the article and i will tweet out the article after the show too so you guys can get it there yeah that's good all right good article (laughs) i'm gonna go google stagecoach because rick said i don't know what it is All right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's all for the influencer news update this week. Uh, we'll make sure to, you know, share this on Twitter and in the Facebook group. So stay tuned and, uh, you know, feel free to ask us questions throughout the week within the Facebook group or on Twitter. You could, uh, tweet to Dean at Dean Delisle, uh, Kate at Kate Hassett and me at Jackson Delisle. So, uh, make sure to tweet to us. Uh, if you have any questions, if you want to see different types of articles, things like that. We want to make sure we're gearing this content for you guys. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, Dean has a power move. 
I have a power move. All right. So uh, one big power move is I'm excited that my new book has uh, been uh, is just came out of typesetting today. So we're excited about that. So keep an eye. I have all of you that look like you're, <clears throat> today, you're on my launch team. So uh, that's volu- I volunteered you. So just so you know, you're on the launch team. Um, <clears throat> with that being said, so one of the power moves we think about is uh, coming up here in a few minutes, we have uh, an amazing thought leader uh, working from, uh, you know, uh, CPA accounting firm, but then also has jumped in as um, a really an influential women business coach. And so when I talk about a power move about being a thought leader, it's something that you step into and you make a decision every day to uh, to, to really influence and inspire other people. And just like Kate and Jackson, when they're working with uh clients and even with employees, they're, you know, we're all given advice every single day. We're given advice to other people. Well, the thing is, if you hold that advice inside your inbox or just in a one-on-one scenario, you're not really going to be able to help or influence others. So a true business influencer and thought leader takes those um, micro moments of help that they provide for other people and they externalize it. They put it on social media, they blog about it, maybe they do a video or a podcast. But I want to inspire each and every one of you to reach out today and those are the, that you're inspiring on a one-to-one level if somebody acknowledges you. I want you to go in and say, hmm, maybe I should do a social media post about this. Maybe I should do a blog post. Maybe I should shoot a video like Kate does on LinkedIn uh, and just talk about it because it can help so many more people. We want to inspire you to do that. So that's the power move of the day. All right. So with that being said, Kate and Jackson, I'll see you on the other side. All right. This week's influencer guest is a business strategist on a mission to empower women business leaders everywhere. She loves Game of Thrones and previously served as a gunner mate for the United States Navy. So please, everybody, welcome Laura Stees on with us today. And uh, there she is, live from San Diego. Hi, Dean. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in San Diego. It's going to be our normal 70 degrees today. Oh, it's our normal 45 <laughs> degrees here in Chicago. <laughs> Yes, as you know, I grew up there, and I have not missed it since I left. (laughs) Oh, man. And it says here, too, that you loved, I know you loved to travel, because you just came back from Vietnam not too long ago. Yeah, Vietnam and and Cambodia. Yeah, and you love to travel to exotic places and try the various foods. What's like the most exotic place you ever went to? Oh, gosh, I would have to say that Vietnam and Cambodia were pretty exotic because the foods there were extremely varied. Um, You know, it's not uncommon to see all different kinds of bugs and different kinds of rodents and stuff like that in the in the food chain. But I would have to tell you the most memorable meal I ever had was in Budapest. And it was a meal in someone's home, and they had prepared a traditional Hungarian dinner that had cooked out over an open fire outside for 24 hours. So it was a Hungarian wow. stew that was the most amazing dinner I've ever had, bar none, throughout the world. Wow. You know I'm Hungarian-Romanian, right? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, I have. Well, I a, grew up with all that food. Yep. Yes, I have a passion for Hungarian food. Love it. But I like, you know, exotic foods, period. I love Thai yeah. food and Indian and and I just really am into different foods. I like the spices and the flavors. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So, um, so Game of Thrones. So the funny story here is yes. that I, I I remember. I think I don't think we were shooting a video where we. I know we were on camera, so it was probably just one of our normal Zoom calls. Um, but it was uh, you had uh, you had actually dressed up in a Game of Thrones outfit. Yeah, it was just a simple thing, though. I had I had uh, For a me, Game it of was Thrones outrageous. T-shirt. It was cool. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Mother of Dragons, and yes, I am totally into Game of Thrones. You know I'm addicted to it. Right here in the background, this is a map of Westeros. <laughs> so. <laughs> so those of you listening, if you're Game of Thrones fan, we have another fan on the air with us today. So Yeah, I'm addicted. Cool. <laughs> so what's interesting is you mentioned that you grew up here in Chicago, and um, you have a couple extra siblings and cousins and the rest of us. So, uh, yes. so always interested in sort of beginnings because that's what makes up who we are and who we become. Right. And I think you have an interesting story that you have. You almost had your own zip code there, right? When you guys yeah. were yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I come from yes, I come from a family of ten. My father came from ten. My mother came from seven. Um, all of my aunts and uncles have lots of children. So there's, uh, you know, just shy of a hundred first cousins in my generation. Wow. Between the two. When you come back to Chicago, you're not kidding. You have a lot of people to visit. (laughs) Exactly. Because some of my first cousins are great grandparents. So, you know, when we add it all up together, um, you know, I've, I have about 700 living cousins. Yeah. And people say, do you know them? And I said, I absolutely know every single one of my first cousins. And I'm connected with about 350 cousins on Facebook. Wow. And I always say growing up in a growing up in a big family like that is is. Uh, almost like having its own ecosystem and business, right? I mean, if you think yeah. about it, it's it's. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about how you how you went from you know that size family to then um, you know uh, getting into the business world. How did your career? Uh, well, it's interesting because I took um, a different turn than I was expected to. I grew up in a traditional Catholic household. I had seven brothers and I have two younger sisters. So five of my brothers are older than me. And, um, you know, I was always told, you know, you you grow up to get married and have children. And, and that was the life that a girl was supposed to have. And this was, you know, growing up in the 60s. That's what we were being told. And then as we get into the 70s, of course, the late 60s and the early 70s, you know, the personality changed. But when I was growing up, up and up through my early years, I remember distinctly between five and 10 years old, my father was always giving my brothers lectures. And my father owned his own business, and he could never imagine working for anybody else. He wanted to be in charge of his life. And he was constantly pushing that message to my brothers and telling them, you need to be in charge of your own life. You need to run a business. You need to come and work in my business because you need to see what it's like to run your own business. It's hard work, but you have freedom. You're not reporting to someone. You, you are independent. And so my brothers all worked in the family business at different points in time. My father was a painting contractor. And of course, that wasn't a business for a girl. So I didn't work in the business. But I was listening to all of the messages and all of the lectures that my father was giving to my brothers. 
And the funny thing is that when I talk to some of my brothers about it today, they don't remember my father saying any of that. They don't remember those messages. And they didn't listen to those messages. And with a couple of minor exceptions, none of my brothers really became entrepreneurs. I have one that became an entrepreneur and he went in and out and in and out, but none of them made it their life. And for me, there has been no other life than being an entrepreneur. I cannot, um, working for someone else is something that just kills my spirit. <laughs> and I recognized that early on and realized that all of the risks and the frustrations and the rewards that come with being an entrepreneur were exactly what I wanted to be. So, you know, you have ups and downs and there have been times where I've had really bad years, but because I have confidence in myself and in my abilities, I was able to stick through it and know that I was going to get through it because I am completely confident in my decision to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. So um, I, I always call it environmental absorption. You know, it's like, you know, you're paying attention. And I'm always curious, you know, in that scenario, there were things where um, you know, as a as a kid, you know, your parents are busier and they're like, oh, we'll be with you in a minute. And it's almost like you're so curious about what what you're not hearing that you, um, I think you hear more about what they're saying than when they want you to hear sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and it's funny how you can have 10 children that grow up in the same household and we all heard different things. Yeah, that's, that just is amazing. Yes. yes. And, um, so, so what was your first business then? Um, my first business was actually when I was in the Navy, um, I had a Tupperware business on the side. And so that was a really great lesson because Tupperware, um, even today is about empowering women to have control of their lives. And so what was great about that was that um, to see that, you know, I was in the Navy, so I was seeing a lot of regimented process-driven systems already, but to see it in a commercial setting, to see a Tupperware business. Now, I have to say, though, even prior to that, growing up as kids, we were always the ones that were out mowing lawns and shoveling sidewalks yeah. for our, the, our elderly neighbors, and we always did that kind of stuff because with 10 kids, there's not a lot of extra money. We didn't have a bad life, but it wasn't that we had any money to waste. So if we wanted to be able to go down to the, the corner store and, and buy a grape knee high in the summer or to buy an ice cream when we went to the community pool, we had to work for that money. Right. And um, so, you know, I always had those kinds of businesses going on and I was always very competitive with my brothers and with the other neighbor children because when the snow started to fall, I wanted to be the first one at that neighbor's house to shovel their sidewalk for an yeah. elderly neighbor. And I would get paid a dollar or two dollars to do that. But that was, you know, that was my money to do those extra things. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's awesome. I'm always uh, curious in that. And then a uh, question came in, where are you at in the family order? I am the first girl, um, the sixth child. So I have five older brothers. 
Yeah. That's like an extreme middle child. <laughs> yeah, it's an extreme middle child. So um, it was interesting. It was very interesting um, to be in that position because being the first girl, obviously, I, I turned out to be a very strong person um, because I was definitely my father wanted a girl and I was definitely my father's daughter. And so as a result, my mother didn't pay too much attention to me. She Then there was another girl in, a, a year later. So she was able to put all of her girly, girly stuff into that girl. <laughs> you know, what's funny about my sister, Sue, is that she turned out to be a mountain woman. She lives on a farm. She raises all of her own food, all of, all of her animals, all of her fruits and vegetables. She raises everything. She is a down-to-earth mountain girl um, she goes out when her freezer's empty. She goes out hunting and and gets a deer. She lives in Southern Illinois, and she loves her life. She loves that lifestyle, and that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, right. That's cool. And you, you have a lot of women yeah. cheering you on here. So Julie says, "Rock on!" And Robin says, "She's the oldest of eight. Oh man, that's a lot of pressure. The oldest no of eight. Is a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it depends if it's eight boys or, you know, seven boys or seven girls after. Play. Well, it doesn't even really matter because when there's that many children, your parents can't do everything. And the older children have to step in and take responsibilities in the family, even at a very young age. You know, you go to a family uh, party with this many children and everyone is responsible for everyone else. So it's not unusual for the older cousins to be monitoring the younger cousins and yeah. reprimanding them and keeping them safe. And that's just a part of how it is because it, it takes a village when you have a family that size. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So, <laughs> asking that when you come back to Chicago that we set up a way for people to meet you in person. So we'll talk about that. Oh, I'd love to. Okay. I'll be back there the middle of June. I go four right. times a year for my strategic coach event. We'll have to feature one of our networking events and have you there. So, yeah, that um, would be fun. <laughs> um, so uh, so in this, how did you, uh, you know, I know how I got into public accounting. It was surely accidental. It wasn't planned. Uh, how did you, how did you get into public accounting? It you seem not- like the last person to be my accountant just because you're. I so- know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have a completely different personality for an accountant because I am extremely entrepreneurial. My score on a scale of one to 10 on entrepreneurial abilities is a nine. So I'm a nine on a quick start. So entrepreneurial. Um, Whereas most accountants tend to be very high on fact finding, data gathering. And I'm, I'm still high on that. I'm a seven on that, but I'm not a nine or a 10 on that. Um, So Accounting wasn't something I chose. It's just something that's inside of me. We all have innate abilities, things that we don't have to stretch ourselves to do. It's just in you. Um, I have about 30 cousins that are accountants. Um, My cousins who are not accountants, a lot of them are in high math area. So computer programmers, computer scientists, even musicians, because music requires high math. So there's uh, um, stockbrokers, investment advisors. um, So there's just a plethora of people in my family that are in math-related areas. I have um, four or six aunts that were accountants. um, And this was after they were finished raising children, because in those days, you didn't always work when you were raising children. But after they were raising children, they went on to working, they became accountants. So this accounting 
area is just a part of my family. It isn't something that we ever sit around talking about, which is funny because we all work in some kind of accounting field or math field, but it's just something that's naturally there for me. So I went to college and tested out of many of my accounting classes and and um, which was nice because then I was able to focus on higher level classes and more strategic right. classes, which yeah. fits really nicely for me because my personality is to be a strategic thinker. Well, and you're a strategic coach. Yes, I'm in strategic coach. Well, and no, but you also, I think of you of, of helping, you know, one of the things I think that sets you apart, and you know, I did, I, was, I always say I did my time in public accounting, but um, uh, I worked in public for a while. And, uh, you know, you always had the partners that were more strategic on behalf of the right. clients. And then you had the ones that were more tactical. Compliance. compliance. Yeah, the, the tactical compliance people. Absolutely. And the tactical compliance people don't necessarily like working with other people, which is right. a typical personality of accountants. They, they really don't like other people. <laughs> <laughs> They're in their way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it interferes with them, you know, ticking and tying and getting things done on a daily basis. And yes, right. I am more strategic. My um, strength finder um, characteristics are that I'm strategic and I'm um, futuristic. So I, I, I don't like dealing with the past. So I'm not um, an accounting an accounting accountant because that's all about the past. I like to work on the future and the planning for the future. Yeah, and I think everybody can resonate, especially the entrepreneurial nature is always looking to the the vision and what's next. Right, exactly. So when I'm looking at what are my key performance indicators that I'm tracking in my business, I'm not really interested in the past. I want to focus on the future. What are my leading indicators, not my lagging indicators? Right. Now, um, and now uh, you're, um, you know, you've been coaching your clients for quite some time and then you're a certified coach as well. So, so when did you decide that, you know, hey, I want to, you know, you know, I'm, I'm in this accounting field, I'm very strategic, I know I'm already helping people, and then you made the choice to, to really officially become a coach? So that happened about 22 years ago. Um, I was in a, you know, we had a traditional accounting firm, my, my partner, Walter Cobb and I. And we finished a tax season and I looked at Wally at the end of the tax season. I said, Wally, there's got to be more than this because if this is what our firm is going to be, I, I, I just can't keep doing this. This is, this is, you know, killing this, this kills my spirit. Um, you know, so I started searching and I found an organization that had some really progressive ideas and that was Results Accountants, which ended up becoming the RAN1 um, firm. And what was nice about that was, you know, there was about 800 uh, accountants in English-speaking countries that we came together on a regular basis and had these discussions about being strategic and changing our businesses and not having that tax preparation business and, you know, having, you know, because our personalities were to be planners. And so after, um, you know, having a three-day session with a bunch of accountants, I went back to the office and I said, Wally, this is the change we have to do. And we have to do this immediately. And it terrified the hell out of him because at this point, you know, he was in his late 60s, terrified the hell out of him because I said, Wally, we have to fire 40% of our clients and we need to do it today. Wow. 
And that's a, that's a pivot right that, there. That's a huge pivot. That was a huge pivot. It scared him to death, but he took the leap of faith and he had confidence in me. And we ended the year with the same revenue. 40% wow. less clients, same revenue. But what we did was we started changing what we were doing and really focusing on the A clients. So 80% of your revenue comes from only 20% of your clients. So if if 20% of your clients are providing 80% of your revenue, don't you think those clients deserve all of your attention? Yeah, absolutely. It is not fair to them that you're focusing on the 80% that is only giving you 20% of your revenue. So we went back through the clients and we just simply fired anybody that was nasty, people that we had ethical <laughs> questions on, if they didn't cooperate with us, if they were always late with their documents, because one of the things we decided was that we wanted proactive. We wanted to be proactive, so we wanted clients that were going to be proactive. Nice. So we looked at the clients and we said, okay, who's a D or an F? D or F's just got fired immediately. C's right. we looked at and said, okay, can we upgrade them? Can we bring them up to this way of thinking? And so we'd have conversations with the C's and some of the C's we just flat out fired because they couldn't, they couldn't change um, or didn't want to. And then, you know, we helped all those other C's to upgrade so that we ended up with clients that were A's and B's. And still today, we only have A's and B's as clients. Sometimes somebody will slip down to a C. When they do, we have the conversation. And if we can't help them upgrade, then we let them go. And we do that on a regular basis. So I would say, you know, we, we um, will let go 10% of the clients on an annual basis just to make sure that we're not getting dragged down into that, that muck. Yeah. And, um, you know, if anybody's rude or, or abusive to one of my team members, they go immediately. There isn't a question asked. I mean, if somebody yeah. calls in and they're cursing at my, my team, I'm not going to keep them. That won't be. Yeah, and, why, and why do that? Right. So, um, exactly. It's not fair. It's not fair to anyone involved. And I have to say, there are a lot of people out there that like that kind of work, believe it or not. So right. let them go to one that likes it because they'll be better served than I can serve them. Right, exactly. I think uh, I think those are workout professionals. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Edith, Edith, uh, Edith was asking if uh, firing is verbal or written. It it can be both, um, and it can be an either or. It does not have to be one or the other. If it, you know, if they were an F client of ours. We simply wrote them a letter and said, look, we're, we're going in a new direction. Um, we're sorry, but the type of services that we're doing for you do not fit into um, the vision of our firm for the future. Um, here's some recommendations. So we, you know, we'd give them the names of some other accountants in the area. And we actually let those accountants know that we were paring down our list. And some of them were extremely happy. There was a couple that really received like 20% increases in their business because of clients that we were letting go. Yeah, that's great. And it and, was the and, type of business they wanted to do. It wasn't the type of business we wanted to do. We are not tax preparers. We are tax right. masters, tax planners. As you say, you put cash back in their pockets. <laughs> yes, we put cash in their pockets. Most accountants, um, their focus is telling you what you owe 
when your tax return is filed. My philosophy is I'm going to tell you what you can save. But in order to do that, you have to come in for planning before the end of the year. We can't do anything after the year is over. We can't pull a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> yes, understand. Yeah, don't call me with two weeks to go for game time. You know. <laughs> yeah, do not. Do not because we just aren't there. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people are chiming in. So it's interesting as entrepreneurs that we go through this cycle, I always say, from scarcity to abundance, right? When we get that, flip that switch. Exactly. And, and what's interesting is I think it takes uh, some of us, I know there's times where, you know, I've caught myself holding on too long to the ones that we shouldn't have. And we have this discussion in house all the time and go, maybe they're just, you know, they're, they're probably just not a good fit for us, you know, and that's a conversation we have too. Exactly. And there's someone else out there that they are a perfect fit for and that will serve them in the manner that they want to be served. So there's nothing wrong with those people. It's just that I choose to have my business running a certain way. This I if I have to do this during tax season, I'm putting in 10 and 12 hour days, seven days a week. And if I have to do that and take time away from my personal life and from my family, it better be things that I enjoy. Because if it's not, why am I doing it? There's no need to do that. There's no purpose in that. It's not, it's not getting me to any of my goals or my life purpose. Yeah. Life's too, life's too short for sure. Yeah. Um, as you know, as you work into, you have, you know, you have this, uh, great program that people, uh, it's, it's designed for women, uh, business owners and entrepreneurs. And we have quite a few that listen into the program and onto the show. Can you tell us a little bit about why you created that and maybe a little bit about the program just so we can get a sense for, you know, if it's a good fit for anybody that's on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, for uh, years, I, first of all, let me back up. Most people look at CPAs and they say they're just, you know, it's a tax preparer. That's what people connotate with CPAs. But in reality, I have to tell you the truth. We do a, we do a five-year degree to become a CPA. It's required for our licensing. It's a five-year degree, not a four-year degree. And in those, um, in those classes that we're required to take, there are only two tax classes. Only two out of the entire degree, only two tax classes. We are not taught in tax. We have to learn tax after we get into the field. We are actually taught how to run businesses and all of the key components of running a business. So that's what goes into the preparation of financial statements. And so our education is really about financial statements, economics, finance, um, statistics, it is not about tax. So you learn tax in the field. So um, anyway, my, my focus has completely been about helping businesses and how do I help businesses? And that's why this whole strategic part of me just ties in so well with businesses. So for many, many years, I've um, advised businesses, coach businesses. I see a lot of businesses. I, I have this massive library in my brain of things that businesses do and business practices and best practices. And so I wanted to help businesses grow their business. And so that's been my focus for a long time. And I've done this for men and women. It doesn't matter who owns the company. I, I'm not, I don't discriminate. I, you know, I work with everyone who's got a proactive attitude. 
and so and ethical, proactive and ethical. Yes. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> because I'm not interested in unethical people either. Um, I, I just don't want that karma. And right. so for years now, for about the past 15 years, we've toyed around with these different things of how can we help women and we've we how can we help women business owners because our primary uh, commercial goal in our business is to increase the net worth of our, our our clients. So, you know, one of the ways that we do that is by putting cash in your pocket tax strategies into place and making sure that you're paying the least amount of tax possible. But we also help our clients to grow their business through, you know, through simple growth strategies, helping them put things like key performance indicators in place so that they can monitor their businesses and know when it's off track and um, just help them become better, more efficient businesses and more profitable businesses. Because sometimes being more profitable may even mean letting go of a source of revenue because that source of revenue might be sucking you down. Sometimes letting go is the way to grow your business. Correct. And so we've been doing this one-on-one -on -one for a long time. And now we've got this whole world of digitization out there. And so we're like, We've got this massive library of courses and presentations and strategies and checklists and guides and consulting programs that we've built over the years. And we decided that we wanted to digitize this. And as we were digitizing this, we're going, you know, it hit us straight in the middle, you know, straight <laughs> in our head about this is what the program that we can use and take out to a lot of business a lot of women business owners because we can put this this program into a really affordable format so that no matter what the size of the business we can make this affordable to them so that they can grow their business and have access to this library of knowledge and as we were thinking about it, we were also thinking about the fact that as women business owners, we like to run our businesses differently. There's not because there's any criticism of men or any male bashing here, but because we're different. We focus yeah. more on relationships. We have a different way of doing things. And so when we run our businesses in the ways that make sense to us and that work to our core and our purposes in life, then we are happier and more successful. So we are launching the Women Business Leaders Unite Initiative. It is an online um, coaching program. We will have monthly sessions. We are going to introduce a business blueprint for how to lay out your business, the main areas to focus on your business. We're going to have three pillars um, that we're going to focus on. The first one is going to be mindset because sometimes we have things that are preventing us from being successful. So let's figure out what those are and let's get rid of those limiting beliefs. Right. Um, second is in momentum. So it's going to be focused on business growth. How, what are the techniques we can put in place to grow our businesses? And the third, of course, is money. What are the money issues that we need to address? We're going to be addressing tax strategies. I have 101 cash in your pocket tax strategies that I teach to my clients. I'm going to teach a whole bunch of those to teach you how to put more money in your pocket today. Make sure that you're paying the least amount of tax possible. And this is going to have a focus on women and what's unique about us in business. 
So, um, you, like I said, it's not about male bashing. It's not about that guys are wrong, but a lot of the information that's out there is being presented by men and it's being presented in a male perspective, which is fine. It works for them. But with women, we have a little different twist. So You're wired um, differently, you know, we are, we're wired differently. And so when we start trying to compete as men, we're not happy. Right. We're not happy in our businesses. When I was running my business, like all the male CPAs in the community ran it, I wasn't happy with it. When I changed it to what fit for me and what fit for my style, then I started becoming really happy with it. I wasn't dreading going to work every day because I knew that what I was doing was right for me. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna just say I have a lot of comments coming in. I'm gonna let the uh, women are in our audience know that uh, Laura is gonna be featuring a, a private webinar talk. Um, uh, you know, to a group of women next week. And Laura, if it's okay with you, I'm gonna automatically register our women in the audience. Uh, they're mostly entrepreneurs and business women, and they work hard. And I'd love for them to hear just a little bit more about, and you and Kate are going to be on next, I think it's next Thursday, right? Yes, next Thursday. Okay. Yes. So Jackson, Jackson, we'll make sure if it's okay, unless you don't want to be registered, just say, don't register me. And the men do not have to reply because we're not registering you. And um, it's not that we're excluding men. We're not excluding yep. men from coming to it. It's just that this is going to be a perspective from women and how we run businesses differently. Yeah, and Laura addresses my feminine power in a great way, so it works. You know, some of <laughs> remember I have seven brothers. I grew up. I grew up in a whole world of men. I have seven brothers and two sons. Well, I think this is great. So you know, a lot of times, like you said, you know, the messages resonate with this depending on how you're wired and who you are. And you know, we have we have you know feminine power and we have, you know, male power. And so all of us possess those traits. So I think what's cool is I resonate so much with what you say, but then I can also see the differentiating factor where if you're a woman in business, you know, there's unfortunately in a lot of these businesses that, that we work in, they're still run like a man's world, you know, and it's tough to grasp, like, you know, how do I connect to that? Right, right, exactly. Because as women, we want to focus on relationships. You know, as investors, we tend to be a little more conservative and a longer term um, perspective on our investments. Right. Nothing wrong with either technique because both techniques will make money, but one fulfills a different need than the other. And so it's not even that you follow a male technique or a female technique. What we're about is that we're following the techniques that fit for us as people and making no apologies for it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's important. Um, again, you know, I like the, well, you know, I, I, I think I've been a certified coach for about 12 years uh, now. And I, and I like the idea, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I'm infectious, infectiously, uh, teaching and coaching and training. And I just want to, you know, and I even encourage the audience all the time to share things with others and, and, and really be that inspirational thought leader. And that's what originally attracted me to you is that I'm like, you know, well, we're wired that way that we, we mm -hmm. truly in our heart of hearts want to help others. Right. I want to increase the net worth of all of my clients. 
That is my goal. Increase their net worth. It could be increasing the value of their business. It could be putting more cash in their pocket. It could be increasing their net income. It's going to be different for every single person. Some people want to focus on just increasing the value of their assets. And and of course, that does include increasing their net income. But other people just want to get some satisfaction. They want to walk away at the end of the day knowing that they achieved certain things. And That's a personal decision and you don't have to follow what everyone else does. You have to follow what's right for you and what feels good for you. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Um, uh, It's funny, Julie typed in men are from Mars, but she didn't say where women are from. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever go see that play of the guy that used to do that? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It was No, I never did. Yeah, it's a one. I never did because it's interesting that um, you know, I I grew up in a male environment. Right. So it's I'm not a girly girl for any stretch of the imagination. I am not a girly girl. But at the same time, I recognize that there are things that I do in my business that are different. And sometimes it's a subtle thing. For instance, we have a whiteboard painted on the wall. So you know, you don't have to have just the whiteboard you stick on the wall. You can use this paint and you can paint a whiteboard. Well, when we painted the whiteboard, we thought, okay, do we stop at the point where the whiteboard would normally stop? And we said, no, we're taking it all the way to the floor because we have children in the office all the time. My granddaughter will sit on the floor in front of that whiteboard wall and she will draw on all the levels that are at her height. So those are the simple kinds of things that we as women do. You know, we we made sure that we have an area in the office that when one of the employees has a child that's not feeling well, not not super, super sick, but just not feeling well. And they still need to be here for some deadlines. They can bring their child in. There's blankets and toys and electronics and, oh, awesome. and recliners and footstools. And the kids can come in and be comfortable. But there's also days the kids are off of school. So we want to, you know, those are just the little simple things that we build into our office as women that yeah. men may not build in and there's nothing wrong with it either way. It's just, this is kind of those subtle little things that we do as women. Well, see, that's my feminine power too, because I keep a drawer full of toys mm-hmm. and, and some of them are for me, but uh, it's when people bring uh, their kids in the office like this week, yes. I'm that person they come and see. Because, exactly. you know, like I said, I told you earlier that Jackson grew up with his own office and, you know, at first was a crib and then a desk, right. all those things. Right. So, you know, it's, right. it's, you know, you, you think about that and it's, it's interesting how I believe it creates a different feel in the culture too. Yeah. M- both of my boys grew up sitting on my lap while I'm working on my computer, both of them. So, you know, it's just, just uh, a little bit different feel. Um, and, and, and yeah, yeah. No, I was, uh, Robin chimed in when she was at Honeywell. So you think of the big companies. And I, I remember uh, Computer Associates and I think American Family were two I was working with that had the daycare. But she said she tried to get in-house daycare and her boss guy, she said, asked if she was having a fight with her boyfriend and what I expect oh, yeah. in-house counseling coaches also. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is so like, uh, I don't know, was that 70s, 80s, 90s? You know. I, I, Robin, I grew up in that environment too. I was in San Francisco in the height of that personality of that, you know, the women had to be really aggressive and go, 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 go. And you had to walk faster than men and you had to do this and you had to do that. And I grew up in that in San Francisco. 
And that was when I was still in, in college. And then after that, you know, it took me a few years to detox from that. But um, once yeah. I did, it was like all the light bulbs went off and, and, you know, it became the business that I wanted to have and not the business that someone else wanted to dictate to me. And and still today, I'll be sitting there and, and those comments just, you know, permeate through the decades, you know, and, and there's still things that, uh, you know, and I don't want to go off on this, but that I'm just like, really? Did, did you just say that? You know, and I'm just yeah. like, come yeah. on, you know, can't we all just work together and have some fun and get along and, you know make a, make a great outcome out of everything. So, yeah, exactly. So when I bring on, when new clients come on board with me, one of the things that I explain to them is that we are focused on having deep and broad relationships with them. It is not unusual for me to cover three and four generations of a family. Yeah. Um, because that is the type of relationship that we develop with them. We have clients that when we finish a meeting, um, the clients say to us, love you as we're walking out the door. That's and right. um, But that's the kind of thing that fits for me. That's the relationship we want. I start my initial meetings with them trying to understand who they are. And that's what I want to do. And that's that's how I want to run my business. It's not ideal for everyone, but that is ideal for me. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. And um, uh, so, so, you know, you, uh, like me, you, you attend a lot of uh, seminars and motivational things and whatnot. Yeah. So along the way, um, you want to, you want to just give a shout out to, to some names or people that you read or people that inspire you or have along the way? Well, my number one influencer, as you know, is Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. I've been in Strategic Coach for 10 years. Um, I eat, drink the Kool-Aid. Um, I love the other people that I'm with. We have transformational entrepreneurs. We're about transforming our businesses, transforming the world with our businesses. Um, there's some amazing things going on with uh, many of the business owners that are a part of Strategic Coach. And so not only do I follow Dan Sullivan, but I also follow many of my counterparts in Strategic Coach, like Jeff Walker with Launch, um, Dino Wickman with Traction, um, um, uh, Joe Polish with I Love Marketing, Peter Diamandis, who is like this really inspirational, um, um, innovative um, kind of guy who was the founder of the X Prize for Space Exploration. Um, there's just so so many amazing people in the program and so much um, inspiration in the program. So not only do I follow Dan Sullivan and a part of Strategic Coach, but also many of my counterparts in Strategic Coach, just really some great things going on. And then, of course, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of other people that I follow as well. I, I am in touch with my woo-woo side. So I follow a lot of um, spiritual issues and spiritual training, my pastor and stuff like that. So cool. I am completely in touch with that side of myself too. And just, you know, really focused on my, um, my purpose in life and my purpose in life is to teach. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, and a little bit of Reiki and inner chi going on too, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I had to go I, there because you and yeah. I talk about that all the time. Yes. I, as you know, I use transcendental meditation. So I meditate twice a day and use those techniques as well. Absolutely. Right. 
There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been great. And so, uh, if you want to uh, maybe send people to uh, your you know website, I know uh, LinkedIn is probably the the top social media channel for you that you yeah. connect with, right? Absolutely. And then, um, and then on the website, uh, I know it's Steez Walker, and we'll send yeah. these links out to anybody. Is there any other site you want to send them to? Um, we have a Facebook group, um, Steez Walker. And uh, this uh, look for the Steve Walker page. And, um, you know, if you're in Facebook and you type in Steve's, if you see anybody come up, they are a cousin of mine because we're <laughs> all related. <laughs> so th- if you want to be curious as to how many cousins I actually have out there, you could type in Steve's and see the plethora of names that come up. They are my cousins in one way or another. <laughs> well, I'd like to do is, uh, is encourage everybody, you know, as, uh, and I'm going to bring Kate and Jackson back on, but I want you to just type in one key takeaway. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're male or female on, you know, on the call, you know, there's, um, there's always a good takeaway as we were listening to Laura, uh, as she was, uh, going through things. So Kate, what did you get uh, out of this session? Probably a whole page of notes, right? Yeah. I always just get so much from when I talk to Laura and I'm really excited for the next webinar on April 4th. Um, the last one I watched, I just was so blown away. She's so motivational, but, um, I think where Laura really touches so powerfully for me is the, the marketing saying that the riches are in the niches and you, as a, as a great marketer, by knowing who you're talking to, um, you're just your message and your and your value is that much higher. And she just really is so niche in helping women business owners um, or women in business, and it's so empowering. And she does it so well. Um, she's just she who she's who I go to for everything I need. So I love how she's really narrowed down who her her target is and how she can help them. I think it's just spot on. Thank yeah. you. And I see also that Jimmy Z asked a question. Hey, Jimmy Z, you know, it's <laughs> funny. Jimmy Z knows my brother, Pete, who is right. also in high math. Pete is a programmer and with Oracle, an accounting package, believe it or not. So he's a programmer with an accounting package. And Pete is the typical corporate guy. He can't imagine being anything but corporate. And Pete does not remember our dad talking about uh, being entrepreneurs. He has no memory of that from us growing up. So, uh, Jimmy, you know, with um, how did I come up with and figure out my core capabilities and messages um, to separate me from the rest of the accountants? Really, I have to tell you, I went on a journey, a journey of discovering myself. And I, um, you know, really went out there to explore what is my purpose and getting really clear that my purpose is to teach. My purpose in life is to teach. I just happen to teach business owners and um, just understanding who I am and understanding my strengths finders, my Colby, my print. Um, You know, you could do I see this. You can do all kinds of surveys to just really help understand who you are getting all the key words and the key messages and just, um, you know, really driving down to that. I have a one page summary. It's here on my bulletin board over here. Cause I don't know, you guys can't see it, but I have actually a map of the world because <laughs> I travel a lot and those are all places, all those pins are places I've gone. Oh, and by the way, there's my great grandfather and my great, great grandparents. Um, 
and just, you know, really understanding who I am. So I, I did a, you know, really got into a study of myself to understand who I am. And it's really important to do that so that you're working in a business that satisfies who you are. We all have yeah. unique abilities. Get really focused on your unique ability and what makes you unique. Once you understand what makes you unique, it gives you all of the messaging for your marketing because then you're trying to drive the people who fit what you want to achieve to you. I don't right. care about all the other people out there. They're not the ideal client for me. Right. They just aren't. If they want to come in and have a tax return prepared and that's all they want, they are not right for me. There's H&R Block. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of times we talk about, you know, our industry talks about USP, which is unique selling proposition, but I like UVP, which is unique value proposition. So I yes. think and, and you need to focus on your unique ability. What is yes. unique about you? And it doesn't matter what that is because it's you and no one else is going to fit that. And there are a lot of people that are looking for you. Yep, absolutely. Well, Laura, it's been great. Uh, thank you so much for being on with us. And uh, Jackson, we have a couple winners uh, this week, right? Who's the winner? Yeah. yeah, so this week we have um, Edith Bell for the Zoom platform and then uh on our Facebook Live is Shirley Hogsett. So, all right, congrats! Now remember, uh, oh, two ladies went in too. Uh, so, uh, with that being said, remember the rule here for everyone is to inspire others uh, with what you learned today when in hearing Laura speak, and and really share that with somebody else. And whatever resonated with you, please pass that on and teach others. And then, especially the Starbucks folks, when you take that person to the coffee shop and you have tea or coffee or frappuccino or whatever it is you have, uh, just make sure you share some of the great things that Laura uh, shared on our program today and uh, pass that good word on. So Laura, thanks again for being on with us. We appreciate you. Uh, remember, ladies, we'll uh, automatically enroll you in Laura's um, uh, webinar next week with Kate. And uh, with that being said, from all of us here at uh, Social Jack Studios, uh, and all the way to San Diego and back and around the world. Uh, thanks again, Laura, and we will see everybody online. Take care, everybody. Thanks to all of you, too. Hey, y'all. All right. Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group. Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you. Mm -hmm.